Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. There's only one beer left. Rappers screaming all in our ears like we're deaf. Tempt me, do a number on the label. Beat up all the MCs and drink them under the table like it's on me. Put it on my tab, kid, however you get there. Foot it, cab it, iron horse it. You leave it on your face, forfeit. Across the mic, hold it like the heat, he might toss it. Told her, tell him they stole it. He told her he lost it. She told him, get off it and a bunch of other more shit. Getting money, DTs be getting no new leads. It's like he Watermelon, stay spitting new seeds. It's the weed, give me some of what he drooping off. As soon as he wake up, choking like it was hooping cough. They grouping soft. First hour at the open bar and they trooping north. He went to go laugh and get some head by the side road. She asked him autograph a derriere red to wide load. This yard bird tastes like fried toad turned love villain. Take pride in cold words, crooked eye mode, nerd geek with a cold heart. Probably still be speaking in rhymes as an old fart. Study how to eat to die by the pizza guy. Know he's not too fly to skeet in the skis of eye. The squeeze of thigh, maybe give her curves a feel. The same way she feel it when he flow with nerves of steel. They call a super when they need their back on plumbing fix. How is only one left? The pack coming six. Whatever happened to two and three? A herb tried to slide with four and five and got caught. Like, what you doing, chief? Don't make them have to get cutting like truancy. Matter of fact, not for nothing right now. You and me, looser than a pair of Adidas. I hope you brought your spare tweeters. MCs sound like cheerleaders. Rapping and dancing like redhead kingpin. Doom came to do the thing again, no matter who be blinging. He do it for the smelly hubbies. Seeds know what time it is, like it's time for Teletubbies. Few can do it, even fewer can sell it. Take it from the dude who wear a mask like a tarted helmet. Merry New Year and salutations, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the season premiere of Pod is War. I'm Mr. Velvet Pipes, Christopher Platt. As always, I'm joined by Mr. Andrew Belaz and the Commissioner, PC Tunney. Happy New Year, gentlemen. Happy New Year, everybody. Hopefully uh, your holidays were pretty decent. Did either of you actually make it to the new year? Like in your time zone? Of course I did. Or did you celebrate it with like, I, you know, <laughs> hypothetically celebrated it with the man across the pond, Kenny Killa at 6 p.m. my time. I was like, ah, and I'm out. I had a bottle of wine to finish, so I wasn't going to go to sleep till that was done. So, about, you know, priorities, man. A bottle of wine? <laughs> a bottle of wine. <laughs> a little bit of the bubbly. Bob, I had in-laws in town. The in-laws were in town, and then we had uh, one of our couple friends over. So it was a small gathering, but yes, I made it to midnight. I don't think I made it very far afterwards, but I did make it that far at least. And that's funny, because after midnight, that's when they let it all hang out, apparently. But, you know, that's neither here nor there, as you'd like to say. Bob. Moving right along, I do have to remind you all that Potters War is brought to you by the good folks at the Chairshot Radio Network in conjunction with TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. 
New Year, same rules. We implore you all to use your heads and show some love to your favorite website for news, reviews, opinion, and analysis by going to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash TheChairShot and picking up an official ChairShot t-shirt. We have something for everybody. We've got hashtag journalism, save tag team wrestling, Jesus did the job, and many, many, many other cool designs on that website. Again, if you enjoy the content that we provide day in and day out here at the ChairShot, the best way to make sure we keep providing that content day in and day out here at the ChairShot is by going to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash TheChairShot. Please and thank you, thank you and please. Remember folks, TheChairShot.com it's not just a website it's a movement so full disclosure we obviously this goes up Thursday evenings but we're recording this on a Wednesday evening and Andrew some shit went down today man yeah it did so uh, why don't we go to a commercial real quick and then uh, we can set the right tone and set the table and uh, bring things in that way. Why why should you visit thechairshot.com? Thechairshot.com is your home for hard-hitting reviews, news, opinion, and analysis with attitude. Why? Because you're smarter than the average fan. Thechairshot.com Always use your head. Well, much like uh, we kind of alluded to before the break, America. Let's see. To uh, since since we're all just going to be taking platisms because that just seems like the cool thing to do this year because it's New Year, new thing. Uh, America showed its ass today, and it's it's ridiculous in the fact that we all knew that Trump was kind of a speak out of both sides of his mouth type of individual. And this just kind of goes to prove it. So he had a, uh, a nice rally discussing, nice in air quotes, uh, about, uh, you know, he didn't really lose the election. He was trying to find more, yada, yada, yada. And then decided to incite his crowd of brainwashed followers, cronies, idiots, morons. You know, MF Doom's not the only other person that wears a mask like a retarded helmet, but they wear red hats as a retarded helmet. And they decided to just charge the Capitol because that's what Trump said about just going to the Capitol and demand things and just take over and so he incites a riot and we get to see the beauty of the hypocrisy of him and I don't know just the way America handles things because they bulled over security bulled over police there was no tear gas there were no rubber bullets right away there was no national guard right away like it was completely ridiculous on the amount of leeway that these inbred redneck kool-aid drinking retards were just able to just come into a government building and have their way with it. they even shot a woman who we found out prior to you know recording this that she passed away because of her injuries they shot and killed an innocent bystander inside of a building because some man can't accept the fact that he lost now i i, I, just, I what the f- this is stupid <laughs> like I, I don't have other words aside from it's hypocritical 
Like, it shows the racist divide. It shows the racist divide and everything. Even people that aren't trying to be racist show the racist divide, which is with the way they want to handle the situation and their actions. And it, the, dra- the feet dragging and just the inability to actually address things or stop things or get things handled, it's so ridiculous. And I thought we left... Now, I didn't... This is going to be hyperbolic, and I don't really think we've left it in 2020... But, like, if we were trying to move forward from the idiocy and the scariness and the psychosis that was 2020, why start off the year like this? Why? Just, what the, what the hell, America? I want to be the one to say it. Could you you imagine if the people that marched on the Capitol and made it into that building were black or brown instead of white could you imagine what would have happened today I wanted the National to be... Guard would have been called out immediately and they'd be locked up no, or dead I, at the moment it would be <laughs> I, and, and Chris I wanted to be the one to say that and I, I appreciate that and you guys know I, I love both you guys man seriously Um, I gotta be honest this was something that I didn't want to talk about but we really didn't have any other choice. I mean, we we just didn't. It just is what it is. Um, I know I, I make a lot of controversial statements on these airwaves, and I appreciate each and every one of you, and of course the Commander in Chief Chairshot Greg, that you all give me a platform to speak my truth. But this is why I get upset when the Cleveland Indians decide to change their name or the Washington football team decides to change their name, even though that's good that those names are changing and and they should have been changed a a long time ago. But this is why I get upset about stuff like that. Because one of the biggest issues in America is that we treat the symptom as the problem. You know what I mean? So, for example... People want to blame the the first shooter video games for violence. No, we just some violent motherfuckers. I mean, America was founded on, expanded through, and maintained by violence. We're just some violent motherfuckers. And violent video games are just a symptom of that larger problem. And, And where I'm going with this is that for so long, America as a country, we've hid our head in the sand and have not ever been able to reconcile reconcile us with our not just our past but our beginnings and how we came to be and since we refuse to have that dialogue and refuse to have this conversation we just continue to have these symbolic gestures which quite frankly it's the equivalent to putting a band-aid on a gunshot wound but since we've never been brave enough to have the conversations that we truly needed to have ladies and gentlemen what you see now this is just merely the chickens coming home to roost and and, and now we're, we're in a situation where number one I don't want to say white people but I'll say rank and file white people because quite frankly if you don't have a trillion dollars <laughs> in the bank I'll say it yeah, if, I, you don't want to say it but I'll say it for you Yeah, you don't want to say white people but, but white people go ahead 
No, no, I'm a, I'm gonna keep it real, man. If you don't have a trillion dollars in the bank, or you can't make one phone call, and that affects the next day's stock market, you're not really white. Yeah, do you benefit from the from the the cachet? Yes, but you're not really white. And it, you know, it's weird because a lot of y'all y'all didn't really know the truth, and and some of y'all y'all knew the truth, but you went along because you accepted the privilege that came along with that designation. But now what you see happening now is that the rank and file whites, they're starting to see, oh, hold on, we're getting fucked too. And they don't know how to handle it. You know what I mean? They, they don't know what this, what this life is like, and they're just acting the fuck out. And then this guy comes along, and you know he's fanning those flyers for, for his own political game, but I don't blame him. Again, that's the same thing. We tried to blame Trump for all of this. Trump was not the problem. Again, Trump was the symptom. That's what we do here in this country. So, I mean, I don't know what could be said about what happened today. I mean, we all saw what it was, and we should all be embarrassed. We should. We should, should frankly, be embarrassed. And then I, I take a big picture, and I, I know you all like to call me a conspiracy theorist, and, you know, we have a lot of fun at that, and blase this, blase that. But think about this for a second. America's been burning for, what, eight months now? It's been one incident after another. So you 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 catch you see all these incidents and everything happen popping off. People are already upset and feel a certain way because we've been stuck in the house since March. So everybody's a little stir crazy anyway. And then you see all these incidents. And then you see social media, of course, they're fanning the flames as well. And everything is just so polarizing and everything is so divided. And everything is just and America's been burning. And the thing is there's a small group of people in my humble opinion let me let me say that and the thoughts and feelings of Christopher Platt do not necessarily represent those of the chairshot.com or the chairshot radio network that are pulling these strings and we're dancing to their beat this country is turning into something very different than it previously was right underneath our noses I mean the first amendment that's gone you can't say shit anymore. 9-11 happens. Patriot Act. There goes the Fourth Amendment. So slowly but surely, these quote-unquote rights and these quote-unquote freedoms that you all hold so dear as Americans, they're slowly getting stripped away from us. And you can't see the big picture that there is a group of people. Well, let me say this. America as a concept has outlived its usefulness. And the people that really own this country, the real owners of this country, and the world by extension, are trying to turn this place into something very, very different. But they can't do it without our okay, because that would lead to actual revolt and revolution. Look up a term known as the Hegelian dialect, and I'll, I'll read you the cliff notes. I create the conditions that cause the problem that force you to beg me for the solution and I'll, I'll end on this and I hope anything that I've said has made any sense whatsoever but I'll, I'll end on this a good book that everybody should check out is uh, Pimp the Story of My Life by Iceberg Slim and I, I can admit that you know if you can get through the pimp shit cause it's ugly pimping is ugly but if you can get through the pimp shit you can see the book for what it actually is it's basically the capitalist manifesto. And I'll leave on this note. And again, I hope any of this made sense. 
There's an excerpt in the book in one chapter. Iceberg is sitting at the bar with one of his pimp colleagues. Uh, he's got a girl that, you know, in his opinion, isn't acting right. And he's just chopping it up with his pimp friend. And the pimp friend gives him the advice to beat her and then run a bath for her. Give her some aspirin. The metaphor being if I beat you down long enough you'll be so grateful and happy for the relief that you'll totally negate or probably not even realize that I was the one that caused you the pain in the first place. We'll be back after these commercial messages. Lucha-Masks.com by Pro Wrestling Revolution. Bringing you, in partnership with Masked Republic, the Lucha Brothers, as well as Japanese legend Ultimo Dragon. Go to Lucha-Masks.com and fight Lucha Strong with masks from your favorite Lucha legends and Pro Wrestling Revolution Luchadores. Stay safe in style and represent your favorite Luchador. Get yours now at Lucha-Masks.com, powered by Pro Wrestling Revolution. This is your boy Kenny Killer telling you to make sure you check out TheChairShot.com Bringing you breaking news, interviews, podcasts galore, everything pro wrestling Make sure you check it out, TheChairShot.com much so that I should start this segment off by sincerely apologizing to my good friend Andrew Belaz <laughs> for partially ruining your experience for Wrestle Kingdom 15. <laughs> but uh, I think we'd be remiss if, if, if I didn't let you just go ahead and run with this topic. Real, real, real quick, and, I apologize, go, Andrew. Go. Before we get to the fun stuff, man, yeah. I, I so, would be Andrew, pissed if you I know what? Didn't. Wrestle Kingdom 15, your favorite part of the year. Fuck you, you go last. Go ahead, Chris. Definitely. I like it. <laughs> oh, okay. Fair <laughs> enough. Cool. <laughs> First off, uh, shout out to our, our brother across the pond, Kenny Killer, man. Um, if you guys um, go listen to the Dadcast, wherever you listen to your podcast. Great show, great guy. Haven't talked to him in a while, miss him. Uh, just, yeah, before we go and, and get off on the Wrestle Kingdom tangent and some more fun shit, I would be remiss if I didn't bring up the fact that today's opening song was brought to you by MF Doom, late great rapper. He passed away on Halloween, which is so fitting for his character, but his family didn't break the news until the 31st of December. So RIP to MF Doom. That's why we played his music to, to start off with. And I, I just want to get that out the way. Now, um, but let, let me transition real quick. Uh, Shit, bitch, pussy, hoe, fart, fuck. 
Just to just to, yeah, but to get us back on track here. Nice, nice. Yeah, no, I I like it. You're trying to just set reset the tone, and I love it. Yeah. So yeah. uh, yes, yeah. Tunny's Tunny's fine. He uh, he did give me a little inadvertent spoiler text because uh, for those who may not know, like uh, AJ from the DWI cast has a uh, a new job, and the difference the the problem is that I just have to drop him off to it because he doesn't drive and that's part of the reason he has a job is to get the car and all that other stuff because he needs his own goddamn insurance. So uh, I drivers aren't going to jerk be... themselves off, Andrew. I, I'm just saying. So I just I just wanted to clarify why that the spoiler happened because I was watching live but then I lost about 45 minutes to an hour on the commute back and forth. And then I get a wonderful text from uh, our commissioner, PC Tony, just going, Ibushi! And I'm like, oh, okay, I guess we know where that goes. But no. So Wrestle Kingdom happens, and it happened to be a two-day event this year. And if you listen to Outsider's Edge with Carl and uh, Rance, Ray Cash, whatever you want to call him as, and Curve, then uh, you know that I wasn't exactly excited for this year's card because it was underwhelming. It was it was, seemed like it was two days out of necessity and it was a little lazy with the fact that day one fed into day two. And it's like, you know, you all did all this bullshit just to make a match for tomorrow. And it's like, it was weird. And I'll, I'll put it that way. But the matches that had to show up showed up. Day two was significantly better than day one. And if they mixed things up and made it one day instead of two it would have probably been one of the best Wrestle Kingdoms all year if they just cut out some of the filler but Osprey and Okada had a great match Shingo and Jeff Cobb had the big boy slap meat kind of match it was it was fucking great that was the best match of the goddamn night because like Shin- Cobb, this version of Cobb I have not seen since they introduced the monster Matanza in Lucha Underground because he's aggressive he's cut like he's in great shape it was it was fucking fun to watch Hiromu and Taiji Shimori nearly killed each other that was wonderful to watch and Ibushi had two really good matches the second night with Jay White was better than the first night with Tetsuya Naito in my opinion but he did great work I mean it was what had to work worked and since we are you know recording this on the Tuesday the 6th and it goes up for uh, the Thursday or the Wednesday the 6th and it goes up on Thursday New Year's Dash happened and it helped to make sense of some things that happened at Wrestle Kingdom too so with all that said it ended up being worth it waking up early, even though the first day kind of kind of uh, had me reeling a little bit because I was not sure because I was a little disappointing was the first day, but the second day was great. Did you catch anything, Chris, or questions, concerns, anything? So, full disclosure, I have not been able to watch Wrestle Kingdom yet. I know, I know, I know. How you have the fun chance about wrestling and you don't want wrestling? Blow me. Life happens. I am going to go back and catch it. I mean, this is the second biggest show of the year. You know, depending... Well, okay. I know Andrew would say the second. Maybe it's in the top three. We'll say that. It's top four. It's the biggest wrestling show, but it is not necessarily the biggest wrestling spectacle. That's how it's- I would say it. 
Okay, it's the the biggest non WWE related wrestling show. I, I I don't think there's any argument there, right? Oh, uh, fair. Yeah, so I'm gonna go back and and, wa- and watch everything. I've heard good things about Okada and Osprey. Um, yo, can can we just give Naito some flowers? I I, I feel so bad for this guy. I feel even as if... New Japan doesn't want to. Why do we have to do it? <laughs> because he, he come on, man. We can't act like he didn't get fucked, and it it had nothing to do with him whatsoever. I mean, Naito's the Cleveland Browns of New Japan. What we talking about here? Well, that's not true. Naito's He's gonna Naito. He won. A, he won a championship. That's not true. Okay, you get what I'm saying, though. Like, if I, I anything, understand, everything but... can screw Naito. It will probably twice. Yeah. <laughs> he just seems so snake bit, man. They, I mean, number one, they they pulled the trigger. What two, three years too late to begin with? I think we can both agree with that, right? I don't. I'm not quite as completely in the camp like you and Ray are because they do do longer term booking, and you had to bring him back. He was hated. He was voted out of the main event for Shinsuke's match with Tanahashi. Like, when you are that disliked that you have to get voted out of the main event and then go to Mexico to rebrand yourself, that it takes a little bit to get that trust back. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. But they finally give him the ball last year, let him roll with it, and then the whole goddamn world shuts down. And, you know, so they... And I I understand why they flipped the title to evil because they had lost a lot of ground in the wrestling world and they had to do something to, you know, to jump spark or jump spark interest in the in the product. I understand all of that. I, you know, I don't necessarily agree, but I get it. It just feels like this guy's so goddamn snake bitten, man. And you look across the board. I think Ambrose suffered a little bit in AEW from not having a crowd there during his title run. But I mean, we saw a previous Ambrose or Moxley title run in WWE when he was Ambrose. The 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 apex of that is when he actually wins the title, then the crowd goes ape shit, then it goes downhill from there. I don't think that that changed with AEW. It might have been a little better with the crowd, but that didn't change. Drew McIntyre, it sucks for him as well, but he's actually come into his own during this whole his title run. Like he's a legitimate guy. He's probably one A right now to Roman's one. So I mean I, I don't think it affected him that much, but goddamn Naito, I mean goddamn they they shut it down and 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 the way that they flipped the title, what is that? What is that? What five, four or five title changes from New Japan in the past what eight months? You know that's very uncharacteristic of them and that's very westernized booking and I guess. Uh, Maybe I'm just being a traditionalist at this point because titles don't mean shit anymore, and I don't know, I don't understand why I'm even trying to hang on to this concept. But what what was um and if, if there's anything I said that you could expound upon, please do. But what was your match of the of the event? I, I'm oh, thinking Osprey and Okada. But oh, what, what, easily Jeff Cobb versus Shingo Takagi. Okay, that okay. was amazing. Like Never. I said, Cobb showed up in ways that you haven't seen since he was under the mask in Lucha Underground as the Monster Matanza. Like, everybody thought he was going to be a beast, then he comes out as a smiling, you know, Polynesian kid, and then everybody's just like, who the fuck is this guy? And he half-asses his matches, and he kind of wrestles at this weird half-speed. So I had many, many reservations about the Shingo Cobb match, because if it was going to be a Shingo match, I thought it was going to be good. If it was going to be a Cobb match, I thought it was going to suck it turned out to be a Shingo banger and it was fucking amazing. Okada Osprey was really good too, don't get me wrong there. That was that was a damn good match. But 
Cobb and Shingo stole the entire event with me. But the other th- speaking of stealing and taking attention, <laughs> uh, I think Jay White is the one that took everybody's attention from Wrestle Kingdom because that promo he cut after he lost to Ibushi where he was just shattered. He's just a shell of himself. He even referred to himself by his shoot name and said, the Switchblade isn't here. You're not going to get the Switchblade. You got Jamie. Like, and he looked done. And when he came out at New Year's Dash, he was still a shell of himself. You could tell he wasn't there. He didn't have that swagger. He didn't have anything. And the way he did that, it was so beautiful. And he... It's not just a joke about he lost his smile or he lost his confidence. He looked like he was done with everything. So much so that it even got the uh, wonderful chair shot high commander Greg Gamarco to wonder if his contract was up in our in our text group because I don't think that's what it is. I think he was more hinting towards retirement and just being over it because he couldn't achieve what he wanted to achieve. And it's an interesting story. And it's probably a relatable story for you, Mr. Platt, to give a little behind behind the scenes because you you were having some self-doubt and some confident issues. Like, you didn't necessarily throw yourself on the floor and start, you know, referring to yourself by a different name or anything like that. But I know I know you watched a little bit of it. How did that hit you? Like, did, did you get it? Did, did you like it? Did you hate it? What were you with that? Well, you're not going to get Christopher here. This is Deshaun. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> Christopher is your government name. <laughs> slave name. That's how it works. Shut up. That was great. my middle name, BT Dub. But I-, I love this. I love the promo. That's professional wrestling. That's what I grew up loving. That's what got me intoxicated and infatuated with this business and why I still continue to watch, even though it's not as good as it used to be, because every now and again, you get a moment like that. This Mellon Farmer just went through war, and he came out, and he was spit, and he was disappointed in himself because he came up short, but he's still a heel, so he's got to put that heel spin on it. But at the same point in time, He's speaking the truth, but he's an asshole about it. So that's why you boo him. But because every good heel, every great heel has a modicum of truth in there. And they speak more truth than they do bullshit. That's how that works. And it, that was the best promo I've, I've seen cut all year. And there's been some good-ass promos this year, but that was the best. That was the tops. And it makes me want to go back and watch that match, which I will, because also it, it involved Kota Bushi, and y'all know how I feel about him. But that was absolutely phenomenal. And I'm very happy for Abushi because, I mean, Andrew, what, last, what, eight, ten years? He's been one of the best, what, five to ten wrestlers in the world. He just kind of floated around, didn't want to sign a contract. Yeah, okay, you're gonna you're gonna fudge my timeline here. You're gonna you're gonna semantic Samantha me on here on this one, and that's fair. But he's been one of the best wrestlers in the world for a long time, and I'm just happy that he was able to get his moment and his his time in the spotlight. And we'll see how long that lasts, and and see where they go. But I, I think he belongs wherever he's at. He belongs at the top of the curve. And I'm I'm happy to see that. And y'all already know he's one of my favorite wrestlers to watch in the world. So you you best believe I'm gonna go back and watch the match with him and Naito, and probably cringe the whole way because they always try to kill each other. And the match with him and Jay White as well. 
So here's the question then, since, you know, this self-professed Ibushi fan, are you upset at all that the win is kind of cold? Like, there was no big build-up. He won the G1, but then he lost it, and then it felt like he got a kind of a pity, you know, challenge out of it because he just, Naito happened to have the day open. And Naito's not a big villain. Naito's not a big problem when it comes to you want to see Ibushi overcome him. It was just kind of like two, you know, people that are fan favorites. One's got to win, and it just happened to be Ibushi. Like, does it fall flat to you at all that he was just kind of handed the double gold kind of in such an awkward off just it's weird so like does does it bother you at all well it's new japan is cold and that's not the fault of any of the wrestlers whatsoever it actually is a good thing because japan were responsible human beings and they locked shit down for a little bit and tried to curtail this whole virus thing as opposed to what we did on the other side of the pond so it's not their fault that the i, I feel like the whole promotion is cold so I, I feel what you're saying, but I'm not... I, I got to put an asterisk on everything that happened in 2020 because of insinuating circumstances, and that's going to go into the first week of 2021 as well. So I, I, I can't hold... I feel what you're saying, but I can't hold that against them because it, it, it was of no fault of their own. Wouldn't it have made more sense to keep the belt on evil, though? To give him the big heel overcome? But you know good and goddamn well that Evil wasn't going to be able to put off, pull off the uh, caliber of main event oh, at New yeah, Japan. Yeah. yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah, he wasn't. Yeah, that that wasn't happening. What if New Japan actually pulled off exactly what they wanted? They knew they wanted Kota to be the star of Wrestle Kingdom 15, and they wanted a way to disguise it, and in a very American way, they did it. Nah, man, because the evil call was clearly something to just spark interest back in the company after they had been shut down for months. I feel what you're saying, Tony, and I'm I'm glad you threw that out there because, you know, you're actually moderating. That's good for you. New year, new you. Cool. (laughs) But, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I I think the way to go, if everything had been normal, I I think Naito would have carried the belt into Wrestle Kingdom and it would have been him versus Bushi that final night. And then that would have been the coordination. Yeah. I mean, I think there, there's definitely some logic in what you brought up, Tani. Because you could tell from the fact that they signed Ibushi to the the longer contract and Ibushi finally decided to, to be a company guy that they were going to put the rocket on him eventually when he, you know, won the New Japan Cup. He won G1. He, he, he won everything. Like, he's the only person to win you know, best of Super Juniors, New Japan Cup, and G1. He's the, only the third person to win back-to-back G1s. Now he's got the double championship. Like, there there are so many accolades that Ibushi racked up just with that win. I think he's, like, the second person to pull off the quote-unquote Grand Slam by holding, you know, three of the bigger singles titles and the ti- at the tag titles. Like, the only other person... To, no, third person, because I think Evil and Naito are the only other two. So... Ibushi is in a league of his own in a way. So I guess this is kind of a harmless way to make him the main event guy because it doesn't necessarily hurt Naito because everybody just chalks it up to Naito being Naito. And Jay obviously salvaged that loss by just being the amazing heel he is because that was a beautiful promo. And 
the the best way that I describe that, especially after watching New Year's Dash and actually hearing the Japanese fans clap a little when Jay got in the ring, almost like they want to show him support because they saw the promo and that they're sad for him. That's perfect because that means he's starting to garner some sympathy. And as soon as I saw that reaction, the first thing that I had in my head is either Jay White's serious and he's going to retire or maybe there could be some kind of inner promotional thing where they lend him out just to make it seem like he's done with New Japan or it's the devil's greatest trick and he's just going to come back as an even bigger prick when people think he's turned a new leaf and that he doesn't and you know the devil doesn't exist which is the, the devil's greatest trick type thing so th- th- there's a bunch of good things and you have a point it could be exactly what they wanted to do with Ibushi but it's just it's weird optics trying to follow the program and trying to follow the product when they came back in June and just the decisions they made and the decisions they made last couple days it looks weird it'll probably get salvaged because Ghetto's pretty good at his job but you know it's it's just weird optics right now so so a couple of things number one with uh, the whole the evil title run and the whole flip-flopping of the title it, it's akin to when a sitcom gets long in the tooth or maybe the ratings aren't exactly where they are or maybe the storylines just get a little stagnant and then all of a sudden the, the they, they have a baby or the cousin from out of nowhere comes to live with the family trying to breathe new life into the show oh you know God. what I mean did you just equate Evil's title run to the little green fucking Martian from fucking Flintstones, whatever his name was? The Great Kazoo. Honestly, the Great I, Kazoo. That's what the fuck it is. <laughs> big time Flintstones. Honestly, I, I was thinking of uh, Oliver from the Brady Bunch, Raven <laughs> Simone on the Cosby Show, Raven and Simone, um, yeah, uh, right Leonardo right. DiCaprio on a uh, growing pain. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Of. yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking of. Am I wrong? Tell me I'm wrong. I what the fuck is this though? I'm just because it's a ridiculous yeah, name. Maybe not about this, but you're wrong. <laughs> now that's amazing. <laughs> and another thing, um, a, a certain AEW superstar made an appearance at Wrestle Kingdom as well. Isn't that correct? Sort of. It was sort a video of. package. And the um, the interesting thing, the only real interesting thing for me, at least to take from it, is he was in a New Japan Strong ring. He was standing in the New Japan Strong, New Japan USA ring, whatever you want to call it. And then he kind of just issued a reverse challenge. And it was awkward because he's just like, you're coming for me. Well, fuck you. I'm coming for you, whoever wins. And it's like, well, what? who cares? Like, like I said, the interesting thing for me is where he did the promo because I'm pretty sure all of us were under the impression that AEW is not going to let him do New Japan shows in the States and New Japan Strong is filmed in Cali. That's where the, the New Japan Dojo is, LA, and that I think that's where the ring is. So why cut the promo from there if that's not where he's going to be doing the match? You know what I mean? Because maybe that's the only where only place, rather, that he was able to cut the promo because of travel restrictions, plus he lives in Vegas and that's a very quick drive. I meant it more like they're just trying to drive up interest in Strong because they're also hinting at getting a new UK and US TV deal. And the, yeah, only, the only thing commentary said was, we like the color purple, and I'm pretty sure they're not talking about the movie. <laughs> <laughs> <It's>... Hoppo! <laughs> you, 
You told her to hit me. You told Harpo to beat me. <laughs> I couldn't help it. My bad. It's good. It's good. I I just thought it was interesting, and you know, it it kind of freshened up the Moxley character for me because he hasn't had good matches since his New Japan run, in my humble opinion. I mean, I don't disagree with that, but we'll see. Because it, I mean, Kenta's got to win. Because I, I love the fact that even commentary pointed out the fact that Kenta's defended the briefcase like six times or whatever the hell it's been. He's technically defended that briefcase more times than anyone's ever defended the physical belt itself. So he's the unofficial, like, actual champion. So it'd be nice to give him the fucking belt and to actually have that instead of a fucking briefcase walking around. And they might be able to have a pretty good match in New Japan. I feel like... Uh... Obviously, Kenta's WWE run was a complete bust. But I think they can have a good match in New Japan. And I, I, I'm here for it. I'll smoke a bag of that. Either. Yeah, no, Kenta can put together a good match. And I think their familiarity with one another from their WWE time is going to help. Did they ever cross streams at any point in time? Because I think that Moxley was on the main roster by the time Kenta got there. I think they knew each other is my point because there's been a lot of conversation going around that Kenta and Moxley were kind of where they wanted to lead when Kenta came in. And so that's kind of where I'm going with it is that they were aware of each other because of proximity, not necessarily because of a show or an angle on a show. Fair enough, fair enough. That's that's fair. But yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, are there any other, uh, anything else that we missed that we just have to hit about Wrestle Kingdom? Uh, pissed off Will Ospreay is interesting because after the Empire went 0 for 3, he came out, nearly killed Hiroshi Tenzin, Hiroyoshi Tenzin, who we all remember from WCW Tenzin, and uh, he got stretchered out. They literally did a stretcher job in New Japan, which that's a little different. Um, then he basically said it's the United Empire versus everyone. So that that could be something. Because Osprey, I'm coming around to him because I didn't like his flippy bullshit because he couldn't really wrestle. He could just fly in the beginning years when he was in ROH and stuff like that. But he's put it together. Like, he's kind of figured it out. Is he kind of an asshole? Yes, but so are we. Is he kind of dumb? More than kind of. But, like, it doesn't make him a bad guy, especially since his uh, accusations from speaking out got refuted. So him and B aren't, like, you know whatever the hell they were being accused of so it's just okay he's a little stupid he's a little dumb he's a little young he's a little brash but he's starting to figure it out and I'm, I'm kind of interested in where he's going with that and the biggest thing to come out of New Year's Dash was Shingo Takagi handpicked Hiroshi Tanahashi as his next challenger Ooh, that makes me moist. You know I'm here for Shingo, <laughs> a.k.a. Thicky Ricardo. I love me some Shingo. And, of course, Tanahashi is Tanahashi. Uh, just real quick, though, going back to the Will Ospreay thing. Okay, yeah, is he a little young and dumb? Okay, yeah, but I, I say this all the time. Football players, hockey players, MMA fighters, boxers, and I'm, I'm going to include combat sports because I can include wrestling and sure. all of that. MMA, boxing, professional wrestling. In terms of intelligence, you always have to judge these people on a curve because they get hit in the head for a living. I think before he got hit in the head, he was still stupid. But but getting I mean, hit in the head makes you stupider. 
uh, I like how you use that word on purpose. I get, I yes. get what you're <laughs> Yeah, you see what I'm doing there, yeah. The way I'll finish this is the way I was kind of talking to our, our uh, wonderful colleague on the chair shot, Matthew Sarpacon, about, you know, the whole Wrestle Kingdom stuff because we're both Japanese wrestling guys. Uh, and, also known as Patient Zero in yes, America. Patient Zero, yes. Back to the United States. <laughs> Go back to, to the chair shot back in February. January. Yeah, we were on that, January. too. So that's good. Yeah. January. Yeah, it, it was right after Wrestle Kingdom, so it was perfect. We, Even worse. Patient we've Zero. We've got the info. Yeah. But long and short, because he, he he came out with a list of names in his ring jacket of people that were close to him who he lost last year. And because of what I know of Hannah and all the stories that came out and how much it affected him, Will's not a bad guy. Hannah would have been able to smell that bullshit because she was a sweet, sweet kid. You know what I mean? But she seemed to really love him and be. So he can't be that terrible if Hannah thought, you know, he was worth spending time with. Gentlemen, I don't really know any other way to put this than, yes, we're going to have to endure this again. Your thoughts on the current status of Bill Goldberg in said WWE storylines. So to add a little bit of context on the previous edition of Raw, which was Legends Night at the end of the night where Keith Lee succumbed to Drew McIntyre, which I have some thoughts about that, but that's neither here nor there. I'm going to continue to digress. Bill Goldberg came out and cut a promo on Drew McIntyre about him not respecting the legends. Frankly, that seems like more of a Randy Orton conversation, but again, I digress. The bottom line is they were setting up a Royal Rumble match with Drew McIntyre and Bill Goldberg for the WWE title. And that's cool. I don't understand what the adversion that the IWC has to Bill Goldberg. Number one, I, I wasn't the biggest Bill Goldberg fan back in the day during his heyday. You know, I'm, I was I was always a, a wrestling guy. I was a match guy, and he couldn't talk and he couldn't wrestle, so it didn't do anything for me. But I also respected his drawing power. He's box office. It is what it is. He's the 98 man. years old. Let's just get to the chase. Cutting... Let's cut to the chase. Let's just cut right to it. I don't even care. I'm fucking. I'm We're fucking... talking NASCAR now. I'm gonna blow. I'm gonna blow the whole shit up. I don't even. We give can a talk shit Chase Elliott all Fuck day it. if you want to. He's he's a he's ancient, Chris. He's ancient. Let's get right to it. Period. Why? He's Why? also. Why? He's got he's got a name and. His this latest run with WWE, we cannot deny he's been cutting some fire ass promos. He has been cutting the best promos of his career. And who gives a shit? Y- y'all were mad Bill when you Goldberg? thought the WrestleMania. Yes, Bill Goldberg has been cutting good promos. Did you and hear? Y'all him? were okay. mad with Did you Goldberg? just? Did he didn't you... really cut promos back in the nineties and the early two thousands. Okay, Dude. okay, fair. But real quick, let me just say this, and then you 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 can uh have your rebuttal, Teddy. So y'all were mad when you thought the WrestleMania main event was going to be Bill Goldberg versus Roman Reigns. So right. now we're going to get it out the way at the survive, or excuse me, not survive Royal Rumble. It'll be a five minute match. Wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. It's going to be two tough guys talking shit to each other until the Royal Rumble, and that's it. And it'll be fine. The funny thing is, is you think that Drew McIntyre is just going to go out there and Claymore 
Goldberg in five minutes, and that's going to be the end of this match at Royal Rumble. When WWE has money invested in Goldberg to wrestle at least three more matches over the next 23 months post-Royal Rumble. Think about that, Jack. So you think that he's going to beat McIntyre at the Rumble? Is that what you're no, telling me? No, but I'm just saying, if you think you're going to have Drew McIntyre just destroying Go- Bill Goldberg as a character, you're, you got another thing coming, sir. Who said anything about destroying? Him and Brock had a real short match, too, and that was a hell of a match. Who said anything about destroying? Mm. Drew and Brock had a, a, a great match at the as the main event of WrestleMania night two, Andrew, and that whatever. wasn't a squash. This is a weird conversation because we started having this conversation a month ago, when I equated this to the same thing as the KG Muto thing and Noah, because he's challenging for the GHC title, and it's no different than Goldberg being involved in it. Right, Does and, I'm gonna, and I'm gonna and I'm gonna interrupt yes. you, and I'm gonna interrupt you like interrupted Platt. And Roman said, "No, fuck that shit. I ain't wrestling fucking Goldberg." And McIntyre got stuck with it. Go ahead, now talk about it. I mean, that's assuming that conversation happened. I mean, wouldn't I you mean, assume that conversation happened if that was what the plan was? If you were Roman, wouldn't you have said, "Hey, no, I'm sorry, Vince. Um, mm, fuck you." Or they just thought that Goldberg was the reason that maybe they could pop a rating on Raw because SmackDown already did like 3.3 million and made Raw look stupid. I just, I just that's devil's advocate stuff. Is that Goldberg could pop the rating for the brand they want to be the A show when the A show has been kind of going even or losing in ratings to the B show quite a bit in the past year. So that 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 could be the idea. And Goldberg's gonna bring eyes. Eyes. Goldberg's gonna bring attention. Goldberg's gonna have a okay. It's gonna be a Goldberg match. Like it's it's you like them or you hate them. Like could he beat Drew McIntyre? He could, or he could just run into a fucking Claymore and then die. So it's it depends on what they want to do. Because the other thing you have to really think about is what are they doing with Randy Orton? Like with this whole thing, he set the fiend on fire. Sure. Where are they gonna have him be during this whole? Royal Rumble situation. What if Randy Orton helps Goldberg beat Drew? Then Goldberg is just a story plot device on bringing Randy and Drew back together, or maybe bringing out Edge or something like that. So Goldberg may only be a plot device, win, lose, draw, or what have you. And people are still going to get interested in that. People are still going to pop by that. Like I said, it's the same thing as Noah bringing back Keiji Muto for a, a challenge to make history and be the third person to ever hold the All Japan, New Japan, and Noah titles at some point in their career. So, nostalgia sells, be it, you know, here, or in the East, or no matter where. So, I, I can't argue it, even though the matches are what they are, and he's not exactly the most captivating when he speaks, but he is still speaking better than, you know, growling and saying who's next or you're next like he did from 99 to, like, 2004. So, like, eh. Yeah, I mean, he, he brings an air of believability in his promos because his whole career was based upon beating people's asses very quick. So he sounds like a legitimate tough guy. He sounds like a melon farmer you would see in a bar with his little motorcycle jacket and, and his uh 
dent in his head after hitting the door. Like, you know what I mean? He got pissed and he banged the bathroom door. Then he came out and talked shit to the guy that was talking shit to him. Like, it, it, it it's believable yeah. at, at least. Mm-hmm. That, that's what I'm saying. That That's all I'm saying. And I mean, well, do we have an update on Edge? Are we sure? Obviously, we, we all thought that the Edge-Randy Orton trilogy was going to conclude itself at WrestleMania, and I still think that's what the case is going to be, but has anybody said anything about Edge? Have we heard any updates whatsoever about yes. his uh, status? No, but I that's part it. of the beauty of how WWE does their shit, ain't it? I heard an update. Touché. Go on. What's I heard that? an update that if, if in fact that Randy Orton versus Edge had to be a match with no bumps, it would still be better than a match between Drew McIntyre and Bill Goldberg. Wow. Man, we should have used the breaking news soundtrack for that one because that was perfect. That's not fair. fair I mean, it's not inaccurate, though, either. Like, nobody watches Goldberg for match quality or a rating, really. Yes, you're right. His Brock match was, like, the best match of his entire fucking career since the DDP Halloween Havoc fiasco. But that's a low bar. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? Like, Goldberg's got, like, three good matches in his entire career. And it's lasted since, what, 98? So, uh, 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 what you gonna do? Well, I mean, how many good fights has Floyd Mayweather had? Depends on your definition of good. He's boring as fuck, but you know, technically, oh, come on, seriously, yeah, no. that's technically apples. Sound. That's apples and oranges, though. Okay. Somebody's predicting Floyd a winner, Mayweather and he's just is the a Dean winner. Malenko of boxing. No, this, where you, Dean Malenko would put you to sleep don't. with how no personality he had and how Please boring the matches were, but they were beautiful to watch in a way. So Mayweather is at least technically solid with his defensive way of doing things and how he wears you down or how he knows how to attack it. I'll give him credit there. I just don't enjoy watching his matches because I'd rather watch two heavyweights just throw haymakers and someone dies. Like, that. that's what I want. And, and, and what's that sound like? Goldberg versus Drew McIntyre. That's exactly what it's going to be. It's going to be five minutes of wham, you were bam. Going with. There you go. I, I fed into your point. Yeah, I know where you're leading it sometimes. <laughs> I think maybe they're heading towards Sheamus versus Drew at Mania. I think they have to pay that off at some point in time, right? And maybe we get the Daniel Bryant-Roman Reigns match at Mania as well. I- I'm just speculating. If you don't Obviously. get Rock, you have to get Daniel Bryant, yeah. I feel like if they were going to get Rock, we would know about it by now, though, right? Probably. That depends on his schedule, though. Like That's weird, man. Plus, in a in a half book stadium, is Rock gonna show up in a half book stadium? No, Rock twenty twenty two, maybe Lesnar. Or twenty twenty seven. Shout out to uh, bandwagon nerds. Word. There you go. <laughs> All right, gentlemen, let's uh, let's keep rolling along and let's hit topic number four. What do you think? Alright gentlemen, a lot of controversy surrounding the man, the myth, the legend, the one and only, the immortal Hulk Hogan. Uh, Apparently, he is not self-consciously aware of his situation (laughs) in the backstage within WWE. Chris, I think you know what I'm talking about from your outburst there. 
and Jesus the fact that Christ, like, Gary, read the room, my guy. Yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> it's fine if you want to come in there and you know do your thing, and you've made your apologies and like, et cetera, et cetera. But to to come out with comments of like, boy, these youngsters, they 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 treat me like I'm trying to steal their main event. No, they treat you like you're a racist piece of shit. That's how they're treating you. To play devil's advocate here just for a second, Hulk comes from a different time. He's old school. Right. And I mean, uh, and can I, mean, I just no. can I just say first that I'm not like judging Hogan as a racist piece of shit. Um, oh no, I I am. That's no, why no, no, I'm no. I and am, I want to say this. I want no, but I want to say this first. Is like, are his views could have been construed at at most of the points in his life? Most definitely. Is there a is there a possibility that that he is no longer in that fashion? Yes, there's a possibility. So to give the benefit of the doubt, a big benefit of the doubt, right? So I just I just want to clarify where I'm coming from. I think intelligent people can understand where my opinion lies, but my opinion is not the opinion you need to understand. Christopher, please continue. Oh, thank you, and welcome back to our latest edition of Ask a Black Dude. Oh, but, uh, <laughs> you know what I meant. You, you know what I meant, though, right? You know what I'm saying. You know what I'm I saying. I I, but you, you put the ball on the tee, bro. What was I yeah, supposed to do? Yeah, but this isn't bandwagon nerds. I didn't bring you on to ask you about this fucking topic, okay? So don't fucking treat me like that, for fucking Christ's sake. I'm your main man, for fuck's oh, sake. But no, no, all I was going to say was, to be fair to, to Terry, a.k.a. Hulk, he he's old school. He came up in a different time when the brotherhood was the brotherhood, and it was more of a fraternity. I mean, look at look at guys like Ron Simmons. Nobody has a bad word to say about Ron Simmons or uh, Butch Reed or or um, who's uh, Bearcat Wright or Bobo Brazil or or Big Cat Ernie Ladd. Like nobody has anything bad to say about these guys. But did they have to deal with some racism? Were they brothers in quotation marks with some racism on the farmers? Yeah. That was just the nature of the beast. I mean, but by definition, this whole wrestling industry is racist as fuck. I don't think you can even argue that. It is what it is. They don't call it white meat baby face for nothing. It just is what it is. So he's from a different time where you protected the industry, you protected the business, and the boys protected each other. So I understand where he's coming from on that note. But he's also walking to into a locker room right now where they feel like they have a lot more leeway to say how they feel you know what I mean and 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 say what's really on their mind as to previous iterations of that locker room and it's also that locker room is a hell of a lot darker than it's ever been so don't think it's just gonna waltz in there and say oh my bad brother and it's gonna be all gravy it's just that's just not how this works anymore we're in a whole new world I mean there's there's an argument to be made that maybe, as you said, that since Hulk is uh, old school, he could just be kayfabing the interview, so to speak, where he realizes that everybody still views him as a racist piece of shit, but what's the best thing to say for business? And that'd be, oh, these young kids just think I'm trying to take their spots. Or, you know, they, they see me because they can't elevate to my level, or yada, 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 kayfabe, 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 protect the business bullshit. So that that could be the argument for that statement. Now, the way Mustafa Ali kind of took that ball and ran with it, 
and then I think it was what T Bar from Retribution kind of helped to stoke the the flames a little bit on Twitter, and then the reason we played Real American is for what Mustafa Ali said is a, a Real Bob. American versus Hulk Hogan or whatever it was. So like Bob. that, that that's some good stuff that could help him garner more you know respect at least in the IWC if not in the actual you know locker room because I think I think the locker is behind him. You could tell from the way they kind of rallied behind, you know, when he got hurt and when they wanted to kind of give him something or give him a spot and this whole retribution thing, people seemed to be really on board. And when, you know, he was coming out, even like the Halloween story where there was like a little kid that wanted to be him, but he didn't have anything on the on the WWE shop to, you know, have an outfit made out Mustafa Ali with the, the glowy, the glowy, like Iron Man hand thing and all that stuff. So Mustafa Ali actually made it for him and sent it to the kid kind of thing. Like Ali's done a lot to kind of elevate his profile, if not on the show, at least to the smart fans, so to speak. And I think it's, I think it's interesting. It's an interesting angle to take. It's very AEW kind of angle with, you know, just appealing to the hardcores and then seeing where that gets you. But, I mean, I don't hate it because he's not saying anything wrong. <laughs> and it, it shows, I don't want to say how far the business has come because, you know, fewer people are watching wrestling than ever. But it shows how different, just how different things are. Because can you imagine 10, 15 years ago, and I love Mustafa Ali. Everything you said, I, I second. He seems like a really good dude. I think he's a very talented guy. He's an excellent wrestler. He can talk. And, yeah, I, I wish they would do more with Retribution. But can you imagine 10 or 15 years ago uh, Mustafa Ali having the balls to come at a Hulk Hogan like that? I, I mean, no. <laughs> like, what, like, what, 10, 15 years ago? That, that's still what we're talking, 06 to 11? Hogan thought he could resurrect TNA at that point in the 11 time and before that he was coming off of you know still relevance with you know the NWO retread in WWE and the rock the rockman event so like he was still big he was still too big to fail at that point and it wasn't honestly until after the TNA stuff and Brooke Hogan's failed what the fuck was it like a music career or whatever the hell she was trying to do and he just and then his marriage fell apart and just then his whole life fell apart so I I think you're looking in that right time frame where like right before he was vulnerable and then his world fell apart (laughs) and you know we're uh, a far ways away from back in the day where they had the just one rule and I know you know what I'm talking about, Andrew. And if you know, you know. I'm not gonna expound, but we're 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 far away from that. Where you know, even back in them those times, you could probably get away with saying a nigga joke because what are they gonna do? It's only the one, and maybe two. Nowadays, that like like I said, that locker room is a lot browner and, and darker than it used to be, and that type of shit is just not gonna fly in today's day and age. Mm-hmm. No, I, I agree with you completely. Uh, just you know, interesting topic pivot but not really Randy Orton situation you think that was just he got caught up and listens to too much rap and just went with the colloquialism kind of thing that like lots of people probably say when they're fucking around with their friends on stuff or do you think he's uh, got more red hat in him than you play towards because I know you joke mostly but like 
where where would you put Orton in that whole thing? Because it seems like that's gotten swept under the rug and people forgave him because they're just like, ah, he's just, he listens to too much rap and he thinks he's cool, so he said it. It's fine. So I think there's a little bit of a misconception with the whole Hulk Hogan thing. You know, am I surprised that Hulk Hogan popped off an M-bomb? No. Am I upset Hulk Hogan popped off an M-bomb? No. Given his age, no. (laughs) Given his age and the region of the country he's from. The part that gets swept under the rug in this whole thing, this dude literally said the words, I am a racist. He literally said that. And he didn't know he was being recorded. So that's how he actually felt about the situation that, you know, allegedly was happening between his daughter and this, you know, fictitious black guy that nobody's ever met. But that that's the part. It's not necessarily, it's not just the M-bomb. That's the part. And I, I'm just speaking for me. I can't speak for other black people, even that's though y'all me. bring me on these shows to speak for other black people. But that's the part right there. Now, with the Randy Orton thing, I, I, I'm, 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 I wasn't surprised that Randy said that Randy dropped the M-bomb. It just, it just seemed very spot on for Randy. Plus the context in which he said it. He was playing video games. The context was actually spot on. It was a little, like, yeah. the, the execution was a little off a little bit. You know what I mean? But that's just because white folks, y'all are on, on rhythm. Y'all are on one and three. And brothers, we on two and four. But the, So it was a little bit off. But, I mean, the context of where he said it, it made sense. He was talking shit on a video game, and he killed the guy, and whatever, whatever. And you know what I mean? So I, damn. Yeah, I know, I know. Yeah, <laughs> so it, it, made, it made sense. Like, I... You know, when it comes to that word, man, and, and I'm sure somebody older with me, older than me, rather, if you would ask an older black person, for me, it's not so much about the word, it's more about the context. And in that particular context, it was harmless. Plus, I'm just not surprised that Randy Orton said that. I mean, we for the last, what, three years we've done this fucking podcast, I joke and call him All Lives Orton. You know what I mean? So I, I wasn't surprised by any of that. The, mm-hmm. the, the, the biggest surprise was him making this total kumbaya you know, um, a black fist in the air turn that he made last year, man, after the, the George Floyd incident. That was the surprise to me. But, I mean, yeah, so that, that I hope that kind of makes sense. Like, that's what the difference is. I mean, this man literally was on tape saying, I am racist. I mean, how do I get over that? You don't. <laughs> like, I mean, <laughs> what, have what, to. Yeah. But, yeah, I, All right, just cool. to tie it in a bow, like, I, I just think part of what he said was just kayfabing. You know, what oh, I mean? well, everything he says is kayfabe, unless he doesn't know he's being recorded. Everything he says is kayfabe. You can't believe anything Hulk Hogan says. I mean, but that's the nature of the industry as well. Especially older wrestlers, managers, personalities from that time. Yeah. You're still going to think in that way to protect the business first and then just make it make a story out of it. Because you might be able to make some money if you can make enough waves. And in a way, Hogan almost got his way. Because if Ali is calling him out, Hogan has wanted another match. Granted, I don't think he wants a match against Mustafa Ali. But I'm just saying, that could have been an interesting way for him to politic to kind of get back on TV or back into a ring somehow, some way. Fair enough, fair enough. No, you're not wrong. He's been politicking for this match for years now. He's got he's got no knees. <laughs> no, he's got no knees. <laughs> he's got fa- no, he's got fake knees, two fake knees, two fake hips. And no back, but I got one more in me, brother. Well, because it's it's now a surgically repaired back after like the tenth or eleventh surgery, whatever it is. So now it's fine. So there we go. 
Well, shout out to Jimi Hendrix, because in order for Hulk Hogan to get back in the ring, he's going to need some voodoo, child. It's been a while since we've been in your earballs right here at Pod Is War. Happy New Year once again. And we haven't had a chance to touch on the subject of the passing of one Brody Lee. And some other things that have happened since the passing. Uh, I think first around the board, I think I've had my chance right here on the Chairshot Radio Network. I think that Mr. Platt and Mr. Belash should be given their chance to say their goodbyes, if you will, to, to one Brody Lee. Um, the one thing that really stood out to me since his passing was the outpouring of love and admiration that he had throughout the wrestling community particularly when it comes to the actual wrestlers themselves I had no idea that he meant that much to so many different people all across the board from all companies That that's amazing and I mean quite frankly we're born to die it just is what it is but if you're able to leave the kind of mark that appears that he has, that's all you can hope for. What else can you hope for other than the fact that your your seeds and your offspring are going to be okay without you? It was a white life well-lived, obviously cut short, way too short. But the mark and the impact that he left, it just speaks to apparently who he was as a person. And... Uh, gentlemen, Andrew, I, w- I want to get your thoughts in here as well, but um, since we didn't have a chance to go over this, do you all mind if we just give a, a quick 10-second uh, moment of silence for the memory of Luke Harper, a.k.a. Brody Lee, a.k.a. John Huber? put it in a very eloquent way Chris because when I was on the uh, the edge last week we talked about this a little bit and it was kind of a consensus and it was very similar to what you said and because of the way that Tony framed this question I'll, I'll frame it in my own way or kind of respond in my own way where it's not so much saying goodbye to Brody Lee or Luke Harper that matters to me it's John Huber and the impact the impact he had on everybody because I know that we're not the biggest fans of AEW and then we never really talked much about his career as it is but he transcended what it was to be a wrestler mid card main card it doesn't matter like 
the the amount of stories that came out with main eventers, be it the New Day, or random indie extras that you know just basically said after they acted as security or bumped or something like that, he'd come back and check on them when they were at craft services, or little little insignificant things to so many people, or him sending a text to Marco Stunt when Marco got a concussion just to check in on him when he didn't know you know who the fuck he was really but he just knew he was hurt and knew he needed kind of someone to look out to see how he was like that's a different kind of cat right there like he legitimately cared he legitimately treated the locker room the boys the girl whatever you want to call it like family and it didn't matter who you were it didn't matter if he was ROH Chikara AEW WWE he treated them all as somebody he cared about, like a, an entity instead of segregated by fandoms or segregated by a company. And the fact that nobody, nobody had one bad thing to say about the man in his entire career, that speaks volumes. Because I'm pretty sure if us three right here talk to five people that know us, someone's going to say, oh, he's a fucking asshole. But mm-hmm. this has been what? Brody Lee passed away towards the end of 2020, so it's been two weeks, and nobody said a bad thing. Everybody comes out with love and more stories and more ways where he went beyond what he could have, what he should have, what he had to, what anybody else in their right mind would do. He cared that much about everybody, and that that's special. That's, that's something interesting that I never knew about before this, and I have a different level of respect for him on a human level beyond scope of wrestling well almost nobody but we'll get to that momentarily i had the in-laws in town last week so i was unable to watch the Brody lee tribute show that they did on aew uh did either one of you gentlemen get a chance to check it out and if you did what are your thoughts about the show it i popped back and forth between nxt and aw the heart was in the right place and it was done probably about as well as the WWE episode that was basically all about Eddie after Eddie passed like so their heart was in the right place the product is still the product but like I looked past that a little bit for what they were doing for it so it was enjoyable if if you cared if you you liked him as a character if you you know got swept up in the stories I think they did him justice as a character and as a person and they did his family justice Fair enough. Now, uh, another thing that I feel like we have to touch on is this Bruce Mitchell situation. Uh, Bruce Mitchell, I guess former now, columnist and writer for PW Torch, which in the wrestling world, would they be, what, what would it be the Observer and then the Torch right underneath that because they've been around for so long? I mean, you have to think so. Like... I know some people called the torch like the the knockoff observer, but they were the first knockoff. So I guess yeah. they made some number two. <laughs> yeah, you know Coke and Pepsi. You know they both making money. But uh, exactly. but uh, so um, if you could, man, I, I'm sure you you're familiar with this uh, this situation, man. If you could kind of fill the people in and and give a little context to where we're about to go before we we give our opinions on the situation. So, where we're about to go with this Bruce Mitchell article is interesting and it's interesting because it is a very long article and at first it seems fairly innocuous 
and that he's just kind of highlighting things that people care about and you know the the tragedy that he was so young and then he starts waxing poetic on his assumptions and his conspiracy theory that because the wife didn't come directly out and say what it was that he was assuming it was covid because saying that it's a lung like an, an, a non-COVID related lung disease that he was in the Mayo Clinic for he was trying to cite that well it's been documented that if you had COVID prior then you could be left with lung lung issues so it could just be reminiscent from when he had COVID so even if it wasn't COVID directly it could could still be COVID related and he really went like as much as we give you shit Chris about conspiracy theory he went to a whole different level where it went from seemingly respectful to then blaming a widow for not having transparency on why her husband died I don't know hours after it was released that he passed away at the age of 41 and it was so I just I don't I don't even I can't even fathom the right words on what to say with this but it's just not even tone deaf it was just like apathetic monstrous just like he he's a he's a piece of shit just to not try to use better words like who in the right mind starts demanding transparency and answers from someone who just lost you know their husband their wife a loved one you know anything like that like you know most people here if you have like here listening whatever if you have a a you know a job with PTO a, a, an office job or even if you got a retail job if you lose somebody in your family you just tell them they give you bereavement nobody goes what did they die from how close were they to you was your grandmother on your father's side or your mother's side I need to know because for legal reasons I need to fill out your time time card this way no nobody fucking does that that is the dumbest fucking shit I ever heard and the fact that he's trying to defend his his journalistic integrity no this this is hashtag journalism at its best he's a fucking asshole who just decided to use his platform to stand on a fucking soapbox about a fucking conspiracy theory and blame a widow for not being more transparent about her husband's death like six hours prior like it's it's fucking terrible (laughs) now to be honest when I saw the backlash that he incurred this is just how my my brain works. If I see everybody going one way, I'm automatically going to see what the other way. If like I see everybody going left, I'm going to see what right is talking about because, I mean, how often do we as humans all agree on one thing? So that all automatically just sure. raises a red flag in my mind. So I went and I stuck out the article and I, I read it. And number one, it was a poorly written article. For a guy that has been in journalism and, and been a columnist for 30 years, it was just... Hashtag terribly... journalism. Hashtag journalism. You can get the shirt at ProWestandTees.com forward slash the chair shot. But it was just a very poorly written article. And I'm listening and, you know, he, he compared this situation to the Chris Benoit tragedy. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What the hell are you doing, man? Like, you're he coming across like he's fucking... Mm-hmm. I, I don't even know. I want to say Woodward and Bernstein, but like, what what are you really trying to accomplish here? And I understand. Okay, yeah, uh, you know, you you want transparency in your wrestling, and you know, wrestling companies aren't always the most transparent. I understand where he's coming from there, but I mean, that's the business that you cover. And 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 number one, 
wrestling journalism, that's an oxymoron to begin with. Because I'm sure there's a lot of stories and a lot of shit that you heard in, 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 during your 30-year career that you buried and could put the kibosh on and didn't come out because you didn't want to ruin your access or whatever the case may be. So why are you coming so hard at this? And even if they are covering something up, so the fuck what? Clearly, John didn't want this out there because we didn't know anything about it until he transitioned. And, you know, his wife is his wife is, you know, his wishes. And I'm sure she don't want to deal with this bullshit either. And, you know, I, I respect anybody that has the, 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 the courage to stand on their square and, and stick by what they say or what they write. But when the man's widow came out. And you know that had to be the last thing she wanted to do, considering everything she's got going on right now. When the man's widow came out and had to make a statement, you know, man, sometimes to to quote the late great Kenny Rogers, you got to know when to fold him. And sometimes you just got to take that L and just apologize and keep it moving. And don't worry, because, you know, a week from now, something else will happen and the, the angry mob would have had their pitchforks and torches directed at somebody else. But the fact that you chose to stand on your square after all of that, like, what are you doing, man? I, I I just don't understand it. And then you couldn't even elocute your argument, whatever your argument was. We still don't even know what your argument was. It just seemed like you were trying to do like some some current affair shit or some hard copy or some TMZ type of shit. I don't understand. But uh, again, man, this man talking about Brody, he clearly didn't want it out there. And his wife is is respecting his wishes. And quite frankly, she deserves her privacy at this point in time. I mean, she just lost her husband. Kids just lost their father. I, I, I don't even know what you're trying to do here, Bruce. And you threw a 30-year career down the drain. And that has been the latest edition of When Keeping It Real Goes Wrong. It's not even keeping it real. That's assuming it's real. There There's a difference with that one. Like, if you got some facts to stand on, that's keeping it real. But just trying to get your point across and yell because, you know, no one's listening when you're not correct. Like, that's that's just ignorance. <laughs> and I wanted to I wanted to give him the benefit of the doubt but when I read that article there's no way as a decent human being there's no way and, and, and you know there's no possible oh, yeah. way you could have gave this guy the benefit of the doubt and I no, mean I, I'm not the biggest Wade Keller fan either but at the same point in time you know what, what's he supposed to do you, you're fucking up the money Bruce you're fucking up mm -hmm. the money because I'm pretty sure that he lost some subscribers and other people threatened to unsubscribe so yeah you gotta go you gotta yeah, go no, I, I agree with you completely because I, I did something similar where I kind of ignored it not completely or ignored it but like I ignored the backlash a little for like the first day and then the fact that it kept keeping up steam and it kept relevancy and it kept just like people kept talking about the Bruce Mitchell article I'm like alright so I think I had to find it on Reddit because it was already down off the torch by then but somebody copy and pasted it and, and kind of saved it somewhere you're right it wasn't it wasn't well written because there was no what good transition between his kind of in memoriam in the beginning which that wasn't that bad but then it's when he went into the soapbox that it just it's kind of came off like the mad ramblings of somebody who th thinks they're they figured it out. They're on to some giant conspiracy or giant cover-up. And I'm just like, I don't know. Like, Jesse Ventura made more sense, and he had a whole conspiracy theory show. And even if they are trying to cover something up, and I'm not saying they are, but even if they are, so the fuck what? Let that woman 
grieve her husband. Let those kids try to move on and find some semblance of normalcy without their dad. Like, it's not your... This is wrestling. Okay? This is wrestling. Yeah. And that that's the thing, though, because it's the family that's covering it up, which they should be able to do that because it's the family. It's a family of... It's not like it's AEW covering up. It's not like it's not like the Chris Benoit thing where, you know, it was because of wrestling, so WWE had to be at fault marginally because they helped to add to it even though they weren't his only career stop, obviously. But this this is from the family. It has nothing to fucking do with wrestling really. Except from the fact that he was a wrestling personality. The he, you know, the family is the one putting the kibosh on things. And you should respect that. Just out of sheer human decency. Just respect yeah. the fact that they don't want to go into it. And then, you know, revisit it later. Like, maybe in a few months she'll want to talk about it. Maybe. You, I don't know. But, like, you, you don't badger somebody literal hours after they just announced somebody died. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, agreed. And if she never wants to disclose what really happened, that's fine, too. Because it's yeah, at the end of the day... Her. It's none of our fucking business. You know, we we missed the guy. We enjoyed the entertainment that he brought us. And that's where it stops. And, you know, our, our hearts go out to his family, his kids, and his loved ones. That being said, this is weird. I guess it's like riding a bike, man. You never forget but I wouldn't know because I never learned how to ride a bike. So, Mr. Belaz, uh, why don't you let the good folks know where they can find you, sir? <laughs> you can find me at uh, IWC Warchief on Twitter and covering a lot of New Japan, a lot of Impact, and, I don't know, probably a couple WWE and AEW pay-per-views moving forward just to see how they start their year off. and Then I'll figure out if I uh, feel like just ignoring them for the rest of the year. What about you, Mr. Moderator? Well, you know, being, being that, being that, you know, endless entertainment experience, the eternal entity in your earballs, PC Tunny, you can find me at PC Tunny and all over thechairshot.com. And you can find Bruce Mitchell marching on Washington <laughs> because he's unemployed now, wondering where his stimmy is because he, he can use a couple dollars right now. Pop. The one man Bruce Mitchell merch. <laughs> I feel like that should be the title of the show. <laughs> yeah, how much heat do you want to put up there, Tony? <laughs> Hey man, y'all can find me on Twitter at the Real C Platt. Y'all already know that, but most importantly, I, I said it before. I'm gonna say it again. If you appreciate the content that we provide day in and day out here at the Chair Shot, make sure y'all go to prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the Chair Shot. You hate Bruce Mitchell? You want to rebel against Bruce Mitchell? <laughs> what better way to show your rebellion? than a good old-fashioned dose of capitalism by going to prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the chair shot and picking up your hashtag journalism chair shot shirt. Let the Bruce Mitchells, the Wade Kellers, the 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 Dave Meltzers, the Brian Alvarez's of the world, I'm angry as hell and God damn it, I'm not going to take it anymore. Prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the chair shot. Please and thank you, thank you, please. Anything else y'all got to say before we get up out of here? Remember the golden rule. 
do unto others as you would have them do unto you. I always thought the golden rule was he who has the gold rules, but that works too. I always thought it had something to do with R. Kelly, but I guess that's the different golden rule. That's a show. On that note. (laughs) (laughs) Again, R.I.P. John Huber, R.I.P. MF Doom, R.I.P. everybody that didn't make it into 2021 with us. We're going to try to do some better this year. We ain't off to a great start, but we still got time. For the Commissioner PC Tunney, for Mr. Andrew Belaz, I am Mr. Velvet Pipes Christopher Platt. Thank you all for tuning in to the season premiere of Pod is War. Until next time, Shalom. Hit it, Carly.